It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You are Locked On Cowboys, your daily podcast on the Dallas Cowboys. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Locked On Cowboys podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Thank you for tuning in. I am your host, Marcus Mosier. You can find me on Twitter at Marcus underscore Mosier. And joining me today is Landon McCool. You can follow him on Twitter at McCoolBCB. Landon, what's going on, sir? Not much, man. We got, you know, it's, it's so crazy. We get out of the the, the, the long desert of, of no information. Now it's just, it's overwhelming how much information we've got. We just watched a blue white scrimmage, like everyone at home. And, you know, I've got some practice information, obviously. So we got lots to talk about. Yeah, you guys are going to be hearing this podcast on Tuesday, which means the Cowboys play an actual football game in two days. Uh, but before we get to our, uh, our preview of that game. I want to talk a little bit about some big storylines coming out of the Cowboys training camp over the last two weeks. And some of these are going to reflect on the scrimmage that we saw on Sunday, but I want to go ahead and start with Dak Prescott. Um, I was watching the coverage on NFL network uh, over the weekend. And one of the little blurbs that they had on their reports was that Dak Prescott has not thrown a touchdown pass uh, throughout the entire training camp so far. First of all, Landon, is that accurate, um, and are you concerned about Dak at all? I mean, you've been at every single practice so far, or mostly every one of the practices, so talk to us a little bit about Prescott this year. Okay, so first of all, I feel like all throughout this whole process, I, I could not have been more of, hey, we need to like kind of take it easy and see what we're saying. We have to understand context of these practices you know that 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 these guys are not always working on what you think they're working on. You don't know what the situation is in some of these situations. So again, my note has always been: you should be looking at traits. You try to look at individual things, and, and if you can figure out what the drill is they're doing, then you can focus on what they're trying to learn in that drill, and then see how well they're excelling inside of that. You know, outside of that, to try to glean things like from overall results of a training camp uh, practice is. Like, you know, it's crazy because, again, it's not like a game where the motivation is only to win for every single person on the field. Everyone has slightly different motivations because they're all trying to get individually better to help the team. And that may look different for everyone. Having said all that, then NFL Network decided (laughs) that they were going to come in and give some kind of made-up BS thing like practice touchdowns, like Dak hasn't thrown a practice touchdown. I mean, there's no metric for which this is correct. Like, I, I don't know. I don't even know what to do with this kind of, you know, commentary and this kind of BS. Now, I, I, I know what to do with the kind of, you know, Cowboys struggling, uh, you know, and on offense, blah, 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 you know, kind of talk. Because I could just provide context to you there and explain why this is happening. And we'll get to that in just a sec. But first <laughs> off, just the idea 
that someone would have the audacity or gall to just say something like that is so beyond the pale ridiculous. I, I was talking to somebody on Twitter about it. I, I honestly still don't even know who it was who said it. Do you know who it was? No, I, I don't remember. I just kind of was watching it from the It was the an side. NFL Network guy. I don't, yeah. yeah I, but I don't know who it was. All I know is that, you know, they, they, someone on Twitter was like, you know, I usually listen to this person and, and you know, I, most of the things they say is are usually pretty good, but this is crazy. And I'm like, dude, I, I don't care how many good, positive or, or like, you know, truthful, uh, uh, you know, articles in a row this guy has written. Anybody who would write something like that, like counting touchdown, you know, touchdowns, cre- you know, in a in a training camp practice, like they they're not they're not serious about football, and I wouldn't take their opinion. <laughs> like that's just that's and, and and beyond the fact that again, it's factually incorrect as well. So uh, you know, I don't. Th- that was one of the silliest things I've seen uh, tweeted out by a tra- someone covering a training camp in, in a long time, frankly. That might have been your but best. To get back to, get, I was gonna say that might have been your best three-minute rant that you've ever had on this podcast. Like that was Hall of Fame worthy, right there. I mean, but to get back to the original point, you know, let's talk about what's going on with this offense right yes, now. Let's let's, do that. You know, do you want the context? Here's the context: you have a brand new wide receiver coach. You have a pretty much brand new wide receiver core and a wide you know, receiver guy, coach and a brand new wide yeah, receiver coach and, as well. And and and. You know, you have you don't have Jason Witten, you don't have Des Bryant. Everyone who was worried about there being a transition between you know not having the two these two guys who have been on the team for you know close to a decade. I mean, it was eight years I think that Des and Jason were on the team together, right? Right. Like anyone who was worried about that about that kind of, you know, there being a transition there. And then also somehow <laughs> concerned that it didn't instantly happen, like the, the first two weeks of training camp, that they found their way and that everything's sorted out is is intellectually disingenuous. Like, I, you know what I'm saying? Like, of course there is growing pains going on. They're still in the process of figuring out who these guys are. Like, this is... This is the first time they've put on pads all together. This isn't just the first time you've seen them in pads all together. This is the first time they've played football in pads together. So they're still trying to figure out who each one of these guys are and what they do well and what they can do well in, in, in form of the offense. And then adjusting those things. And again, all of that also inside the context of the team working on a variety of different things that drills being situational, you know, drills being about, you know, and I'm not even talking about situation drills where you're playing as a team. I'm talking about these drills, the seven on seven, they may be working on something specific. They, they may be working on this and that. Like, I just think that everyone needs to stop making 10,000 foot proclamations based on training, training camp uh, practices, because that's not, that's not how training camp is supposed to be digested. I, I apologize, like, but that's just not like if you if you're trying to make grand uh, proclamations on how a team is, uh, you know, a, a, from the ten thousand foot view of what this team looks like, uh, based just on training camp practices without any preseason games, uh, have fun, man. Like, go for it. But like the idea that you're going to have any kind of accuracy 
when you don't even know the context of what they're doing on the field is is extremely low and and if and if you don't see that then maybe you shouldn't be the person making proclamations about a team right. from the 10,000 foot field. right so we could go in a thousand different directions with this but i i mean obviously you've got to let these guys play it out you have to let them go through preseason and it, again the only player that Dak is really familiar with in his passing game is Cole Beasley. Uh, Alan Hearns is new. Michael Gallup is new. Deontay Thompson is new. Probably the second guy that he's had the most experience with, Noah Brown, hasn't practiced in the last week because of a hamstring injury. They're going to. It, it's going to take them a little bit. Let them get to the preseason. It might even take them a few weeks in the regular season to kind of feel it out. But again, don't panic when the, you know they haven't even played a preseason game yet. I want to talk about something. And, and, Go ahead. And, and let, let me even let me even put it a little more acutely. We're talking about the the downfield passing. Game. Oh yeah, definitely. That's it. Right. Like the, the middle the middle of the short passing game already looks great. It's 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 about developing chemistry with these receivers individual individually on their downfield passing. And we so when we saw uh, the know, blue and white scrimmage too. That like the the swing outs to Zeke and to Rod Smith. That stuff is still working really really well in their offense. I, I don't think I have. He's getting the ball to the tight ends fine. Like yes. you know, he saw the pass to Swain. Like Swain has started to come around and and, and like to, you know start to get into a rhythm with with Dak. You know, look, it's. It's all it's all a process, like, and that is going to be the thing that's going to be the last thing, right? It's the thing that they need to do the most reps with. He needs to figure, you know, you can't throw the same deep ball to Tavon Austin that you throw to Terrence Williams. You can't throw the same deep ball that you throw to Alan Hurds that you throw to, you know, Beasley. Sure. You, that like you you got to learn how to throw those guys uh, to the spot where they're going to feel comfortable, you know, and and and, and you also got to learn how. What what those guys look like when they're open down the field? Des Bryant looks like he's covered when he's down right. the field, you know. So you you, you got to learn how which one of, what what open looks like for these receivers when they're running down the field, and that that's just going to take reps. Let's talk about Tavon Austin a little bit. Uh, Let's do it. If yeah. you saw any of the blue and white scrimmage yesterday, you probably saw Tavon's ridiculous catch that he had down the field. I think they ran a reverse with him. Uh, was it early in practice? I, if I remember. It was the first snap of, of two-minute, I think. Um, no, no, not two-minute, of, of, of uh, red zone. Red zone, sorry. Red zone. Tavon is going to be an important part of this offense. Uh, we talked about this last week, that him and Cole Beasley very likely could lead the team in snaps for the receivers. Uh, talk to us a little bit about Tavon in this offense. I know, uh, you know, our buddy Joey Ikes kind of said this in one of our chats that there's just a different juice about Tavon when he gets the ball. When it when it's Zeke or Tavon with the ball in their hands, good things happen for this offense. So talk to us just a little bit about what you've seen from Tavon so far two weeks in the training camp. Yeah, I mean, you know, the speed is real. I I, I think that the you know the first time. Uh, and I was talking to uh, uh, I talked to Rabble about this on on our show that actually we aired locked on the, that the conversation that Rabble and I had that first time he got that uh, jet sweep reverse it took my breath away because you know mm. and, and I think that like I think that it's it was the opposite feeling I felt about when Switzer got that first jet sweep yes you know yep. it's like that first time you get you saw jets you saw him get that jet sweep you're like. That, no, he can't do that. He just doesn't have like, the juice. It's, it's, That's like, all it is. It's just he, he just doesn't have the speed. Yep. He just, you know, you have to have like, and, and this is like I've described this before, and I've, it's not my term, but I I love it. You have to have easy speed. Like it's got to be like like practically teleporting. 
You know, because <laughs> I, I was telling Rabble, like, when you watch, when, and I, again, I'm not talking about this double reverse, I'll get back to that. But the one, the, the Jets leader I'm talking about, he, he ran it right towards us. And there was a moment that, first of all, I think he accelerates once he gets behind the line of scrimmage and, and can hide a little bit. And he takes, I think he takes the handoff at a higher speed than Switzer was taking it. Because mm-hmm. he's, like, by the time he's got the ball, it's, like, almost instantaneous He's already outside of the formation and 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 in the in the alley, right? And there was a moment that happened, like I, I, a moment in time, like I felt froze, frozen, where he got outside and was standing just like I feel like he was just standing flat-footed for just a second inside of the defensive end who was who was the contained defensive end, the backside contained defensive end, right? Who didn't even realize he was there, like he he couldn't even. I don't think he saw him or just didn't think that it was possible that he could have gotten over there that quick. But by the time he did, Tavon had turned up field and gotten north and south so quick and was, you know, weaving through players. And, and essentially kind of saw a similar thing with that reverse is that he got the ball, you know, he got the, it was a double reverse. So it was a little bit, I guess, less tricky or, or not less tricky, but more slowly developing, you know? And so he got back outside and then suddenly he's upfield. He's weaving through guys, and it's just like, wow, yeah. It's and it, and I think that's what it is: is that he has that combination of speed and agility that is it's just dynamite. Like every time he gets the ball in his hands, and if you remember that practice, even before he made that catch, there were two or three other plays, including that double reverse, a slant that he took, or you know that like that he, when he gets the ball in his hands, it's just you see it, man. It's like it's it's dangerous. And and he he can just he, I think yeah they're gonna find a lot of different ways to get him the ball, um, and I think everyone kind of poo pooed the idea that you know that that he could have any value in any system if if Sean McVay couldn't find value in him. I, I mean I don't know like he just doesn't I I don't know if like the the wrist injury was something but like he's he's doing all the thing he's doing a lot of the things that people said he couldn't do including making his way down the field well. Uh, he's running better routes down the field than he did when practice started. Right. So I don't know if like Sanjay Lal is like really having an effect on him or not, but it, it feels like just in the in the short time since practice has started, you know, since training camp started, he's improved already as a downfield. Yeah. Receiver. So I didn't think that he was going to be able to cut it as a receiver with the Cowboys. I kind of thought when they brought him in, and even Stephen Jones kind of references, he's going to be a web back for us. He's going to play in the backfield. He's going to play outside some, but most of the time he's going to take snaps in the backfield. That still may be the case, but I've been surprised about how well he's played on the outside. I, you'd mentioned his route running and all that kind of stuff. So uh, I, I'm pleasantly surprised at what he's been able to do as a you know traditional receiver so far in camp. Part of me wonders if they didn't get him into like OTAs and training camp, and Law just fell in love with his skill set. It's possible. And felt like that it felt like he could actually develop him into a, a better receiver than he had been previously. Because you know, look, I mean, I don't know. I don't, I, I, you know, you, you may have watched more Tavon Austin than I have, but I, I feel like I'm seeing him run, being used a lot more in the short game than I feel like uh, I've, I've seen him in the past. And, and there's issues with that at times, but, but you know, I think that if, if you can get that dude uh, the ball on a slant, oh, my God, man. Like, you know, any, any kind of route where he's still, he's already running and he can get the ball is is 
extremely, extremely dangerous. You mentioned easy speed, and kind of the first player that came to my mind was Deshaun Jackson, where that was you know, just one yeah. guy that was playing at a different speed than everybody else. Can he do Deshaun Jackson type of things in Dallas? We'll have to see. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about Dan Bailey, because uh, there was a report on, I think it was Friday or Saturday, uh, that Dan Bailey missed multiple kicks uh, for the second straight day. Uh, one of his misses came from 33 well, yards. Well, not, not the straight second straight day, but but yeah, two, multiple kicks in three, two of three, two days. or three days. Okay, because like, there's a day, there's a day in the middle he made. All. Okay, perfect. Thanks for clearing that up. I appreciate it. Yeah. Um, so, you know, this is one of the storylines that we were kind of interested to see this off season because last year was the worst year of Dan Bailey's <laughs> career. He made 15 or 20 kicks. Uh, kind of struggled down the stretch of the season, staying healthy. Um, just from your eye, from seeing him from camp, does it look like the same Dan Bailey that we are used to seeing, or is there reason to be concerned? Uh, I think that uh, I think it's something to keep an eye on for sure. I mean, just because you know any kicker can you know suddenly just lose it. I think that that's just the nature of the position. Um, I, you know, I'm not I'm not sounding the alarm yet. You know, I, I, I'm, I think that a lot of what happened with last year is was injury and that he is still trying to find uh, his rhythm back, you know, now that he's healthy. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think I, I think that uh, generally it's something that I'm keeping my eye on, but I'm not actively worried about yet. You know, I think I think I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt that he can work through it. And, and it's not like he's. You know, missing tons and tons of these kicks. He's missing like, you know, when he's missing multiples, he's missing one or two, you know, per day. So uh, it's not great, but it's also not quite disastrous yet. Do you think that Dan Bailey should, you know, handle kickoffs and field goals during the preseason, or do you think they'll be okay? You know, just kind of resting him, saving him for the regular season. Because in the past, he's really not had to do any kind of work in the preseason at all. Yeah, I think uh, I think he probably needs to. You know, I, I'm sure he will tell you this too. I think he probably needs to work through it. Okay. You know, I think he should probably be kicking field goals and extra points just you know just until he's comf- comfy again. I think at this point, if they need to save his leg on the back end, that might be one thing. Uh, but yeah, I think uh, uh, I think that likely it's probably best just you know for for this you know just getting him back into the rhythm that he probably kick through it this season don't sit around watching the cowboys from home when you can be at AT at&t stadium in the crowd cheering in person thanks to vivid seats vivid seats is offering locked on cowboys listeners 10 percent off your first ticket order when you use our exclusive promo code locked on that's one word that's locked on new customers only and the offer is good through the end of august Preseason and regular season tickets are available now. The Cowboys kick off the home schedule this year on August 18th against the Bengals, and you can be there for all the excitement. Go to vividseats.com or download the app and enter the promo code LOCKEDON for 10% off your first order. The offseason is over, the NFL is back, and Vivid Seats wants to help you get to the game. All right, and the last thing that I want to cover today is I want to talk about Dorrance Armstrong. Uh, Jason Garrett had a press conference today, and he brought up Dorrance Armstrong as a guy that has really impressed so far during training camp. Um, and this is, you know, a guy that I really like coming out of Kansas. And 
I want to talk about him for a little bit. Uh, you know, coming out of Kansas, out of the Big 12, didn't have a great senior season, but his junior year was really good. And you look at the measurables between Armstrong and Demarcus Lawrence, and they're very similar. You even go and look at the tackle for loss production, the sack production, all very, very similar. Um, I, I think it's noteworthy that he is performing well, uh, considering some of the other talent around him with Charles Tapper, Taco Charlton, Coney Ely, um, for Jason Garrett to come out and say, hey, he's really improved over the last two weeks, I, I think is noteworthy. Landon, talk to us a little bit about Dorrance Armstrong, what you've seen in camp, and maybe what you can expect from him in his rookie year for the Cowboys. Well, I mean, I think if it, it's hard to miss what Dorrance Armstrong's in camp. I mean, he's he's really, really taken it to almost every offensive tackle he's faced. And, uh, you know, at the very least, even when he loses, he's, he's giving incredible effort and, and it's taking all that these tackles have got. Uh, you know, I think he's just a, uh, you know, it's funny you say that he's similar athletically to, uh, to, to DeMarcus Lawrence. Cause I, I mean, I don't see his game as similar to Lawrence's. I see his game as similar to, uh, I see him as more like a slightly poor man's Randy, Randy Gregory. Okay. Like, me, because he's, let me, let me say this. Real quick. I'm, I'm just going to compare them coming out of school because I know Lawrence has changed his mm-hmm. body a little bit. Uh, both, yeah, yeah. both six foot three, both 255 pounds, both ran in the four eights. Uh, Doran's Armstrong has a better three cone, uh, the same exact vertical, same broad jump. Both, uh, you know, had about the identical short shuttle, very similar type of athletes and even tackles for a loss. You know, both had 20 tackles for a loss in their best season. Both had 10 sacks in their best season. Uh, you know, th- th- I guess that's why. And I know Lawrence. No, I- no, no. I, I, I'm, I, I'm not at all, you know, like, uh, uh, you know, just discrediting, sure, sure, discrediting sure. the apparent comparison. Cause that, is that all? I, I think I'm not surprised in your giving it that it's more, I'm surprised that they are so similar. Cause Got I, it. I believe Got you. It. <laughs> it's more right. that I'm surprised. Is because, he a little bit more bendy because, than Lawrence? Yes. That's, that's specifically what it is, is that he's, he seems that he has a little bit more, uh, uh, flexibility. And that's why I guess I meant by they're not the same athletes. Is that, that they, that they, uh, I feel like Lawrence plays with, technique and leverage i mean he definitely has some a good speed off the ball and all that stuff but i mean i think what where he wins is that he's just so good with his he knows what he's doing like he knows what I mean, by that I, I mean like every snap he knows what his plan is he has a plan he uh and he knows how to beat you he knows how to put you into bad positions and then put you into more bad positions uh this guy just he gets off the ball and bends so well that your you're behind the eight ball as soon as the snap goes, and so he just uses that to his advantage. Uh, and, and, and Gregory is the same way. Is that you know Gregory's obviously even more uh, of that bendy, you know, flexible, difficult to hit, target uh, type of defensive end. Uh, but I think that that's more of the uh, the spectrum of where I put Armstrong. He just what he does is he gets off the line and is able to curve around there so quickly. Uh, that even, you know, like he gets his momentum going once he turns that corner. And even when the guys are able to get a hand on him, uh, it's not enough to counteract the amount of of power that he's already generating turning the corner. So, you know, what you'll see is that I I think that likely 
you know, if he gets, I, I want to see, I still need to see him more against, you know, a better echelon of, of talent. He started out the third offensive tackles. He killed all of them. He started out the second offensive tackles. He started destroying them too. He saw him, uh, you know, with Lael Collins and, and, and he starts beating him too. So I, I think, you know, we want to, I want to see him more versus Lael. I want to see more, uh, uh, you know, some, some snaps against Tyron Smith would be great. Um, but I, I think that likely what you'll what you could see if he continues to do this is a guy maybe give you three or four snap snap sacks as uh, did I say snacks? But if I, if I did, it's because I'm hungry. Uh, three or four sacks uh, this season maybe. Um, you know, coming in as a rotational guy with a with a a, a, a bunch of pressures because I think he's going to be a guy who will be able to turn the corner. But will struggle to finish uh, just initially because I think that's how a lot of rookie pass rushers are. Uh, I, I think he's got a very bright future. Uh, I mean, he clearly looks like a guy who is already kind of outplaying his his draft position to a certain degree because uh, he's really, really been impressive. So uh, I, I think he is going to be a guy who. Um, is going to give you a little something as, as a rotational guy. I, I don't think it's fair to, to kind of expect anything more than that at this point. Um, but at the same time, if he does, he, if he becomes like some kind of phenom, he, that wouldn't su- surprise me either just because he hasn't shown anything to show us his limitations, I guess is the sure. best way to put it. Uh, like he hasn't shown us his ceiling yet. Like he keeps – they move him to left. They move him right. He does it on either side. They move him up a rung. He keeps doing it. They move him up another rung. He keeps doing it. So I guess once I see the ceiling on this guy, uh, I could rule that out. But uh, so far, you know, I mean, it, it feels like he's been able to do what he wants, basically, against the level of competition he's faced so far. Really quickly, uh, would you say that Armstrong is further ahead in his development than what Taco Charlton was at the same time last season? I mean... He might be further along than Taco is, period. And here, here's the thing, and this is going to be... The, <laughs> I mean, the, I hate to say it, that. I don't but... think you're wrong either, but here's the thing. People are going to take that as a shot at Taco Charlton. No. When it's not. No, 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 no. It, it, and it, then I'll explain to you exactly why. Because the reason that Marcus and Joey and I and all these guys go and Keith uh, Mullins, if you guys don't follow him, make sure you do. Keith Deuces. Mm-hmm. The reason that we constantly harp on this bendy, you know, gummy, gum, gumby, you know, body type is because those guys translate immediately well because that's a very difficult and rare skill set. Absolutely. And if you have that, you can, it's easy to make counters off of it. It's easy to use just that and be effective. For a guy like Taco Charlton, he is. Go- I really do believe that year three. I, I don't think it. This is not the year for Taco Charlton. I, I still don't think. I think it's next year. I think year three. He is going to be really, really good, and he will be really, really good for a long time. Because I, because what Taco Charlton to me, his body type is very well suited to be a guy who is a technique-based guy. So that means he's got to learn all his stuff. That means that he has to truly develop. He's going to be a great technique-based guy who is got the body for the NFL to play both the run and the pass, and is going to be a like Tyrone Crawford levels plus uh, defensive end for 10 years, probably. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like that kind of guy. The, the, the six to ten sack guy 
who is also good against the run, uh, who is just like a reliable, solid NFL starter at, at defensive end. And that's, that thing has extreme value. Like, let me be clear. That is not an easy guy to find. You know, you know like if you could go back and, and promise me, uh, uh, Greg uh, Ellis, like, the, you know, like that's what we're talking about, you know, like that kind of guy. Uh, which, again, you pair him with a, another guy on the other side who is a 14 or 15 sack type guy, and you really got something. And you know, like that's a good – yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I, uh, or, you know, or, or Lawrence or whatever. Right. Like, you know what I'm saying? The point is, is that he, he, ha- he is going to give us value. And when I say that, that Armstrong may be a little bit further along, it's because I didn't – you know, that kind of – like I said, that sort of game translates faster. You know, and I think it's easier to learn and, and, and deploy in an NFL game situation. Tacos had to reshape his body, had to learn techniques, and to get where he's going. So, I mean, you know, I think at the end of the day, is is Armstrong going to be a better player than Taco Charlton? I don't know that that'll be true, because I think Taco Charlton w- could provide immense long-term value as a defensive lineman. Uh, and Armstrong may be the situation where he may top out at five sacks and never be able to get past that because of some other deficiency. So I, I just think that immediately you can use uh, an Armstrong right now because of the type of the type of skills he has, not because it, that they are so much more refined than, than what Taco has. I think both players can be quality starters within the next two years. And for the Cowboys, yeah. you look at that defensive line with – Probably Lawrence is going to be as the you know the entrenched as the left defensive end for the next five years. Hopefully, Randy Gregory is the right defensive end. If you have quality starters as backups, you know that's that's a pretty incredible defensive line. Uh, that's it for today's show. Thank you guys for tuning in. Make sure you download and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Follow Landon at McCoolBCB. You can follow the show at Locked On Cowboys. And I'm at Marcus underscore Mosier. We will have all of the preview stuff for the Cowboys' first preseason game over the next couple days. So make sure you guys check that out. And we will see you guys next time. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day.